Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back, everybody. It is a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes and Sean McAdoo with you ahead in the next hour or so. We're talking projected Olympic rosters. We had a new piece drop on the the Athletic site on Thursday. We'll talk about which country might have the most uh, formidable or powerful group of top six forwards. We'll introduce our listeners uh, on the podcast side of things to the rules court concept, uh, where we debate different ideas on how we can improve the game. And yeah, some of these are zany, wacky, weird, wild uh, ideas. Jesse Granger will be back for some Granger things later in the show. Uh, Plus, we get a voicemail from a Rangers fan. We'll try and uh, convince him that maybe his team is actually good. Uh, We got some more submissions, too, via email on uh, the one game you would show to a non-hockey fan to convince them to get on board with the sport. We had some fun with that uh, last week, and we'll wrap up, as we always do, with a little this week in hockey history. And I'll tell you what, Sean, we want to make a concerted effort. And we kind of talked about this in the in the chat before uh, we got on the podcast today. I, I feel like we're at this precarious spot where every day you're o- people are opening up Twitter and, you know, this guy's in COVID protocol, this team has eight guys in COVID. And it's starting to feel like it's getting real pessimistic. So what I think what we want to do for the next hour is insert a little positivity into people's lives, some non-COVID hockey talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, it, and it's tough to do because we're talking Olympics and obviously <laughs> yeah, you're talking Olympics, every sentence could end with if they even go. Um, but at this point, I feel like I'm with you. People know the situation. It's it's obviously evolving. It's very concerning what's happening in the NHL right now and whether the players will want to go at this point, whether we even will have an Olympics uh, to go to uh, is very much uh, uh, in doubt. Uh, but we don't really have any insight to add to that 
beyond the, the same stuff that that you're seeing. We're we're sort of waiting and and seeing how the story goes, the same as the same as everyone else. So in the meantime, um, let's at least have some fun with it. Have some fun with the rosters. This is uh, you know if, if if they go or not. This is to me always the fun part of any sort of big tournament like this is where you get to look at who's going to make the team, who won't, who got snubbed, who didn't deserve to be there. Uh, and and at least right now, we can still do that uh, with the possibility of the Olympics hanging in front of us. Um, and we'll keep our fingers crossed that it that it actually happens. But uh, yeah, we, we, we figure a lot of you at this point, as, as big and important a story as it is, are, are probably getting a little worn out by it. So let's start with some of these Olympic rosters. And again, uh, we had... Uh, if you go, if you check out the athletic uh, site on Thursday, you'll see that the projected rosters are out. Uh, you know, so Sean Gentilly, Dom, uh, and I think uh, it was Corey Pronman, right? That uh, were, were part of this the trio to put together the yep. rosters for the big five. So Canada, the United States, Sweden, uh, Finland, and Russia uh, were the, uh, the the teams. Can, can I ask you this? I think sometimes I'm guilty of the, I, we all do because I, look I cover the Ottawa Senators so I'm always I'm watching Thomas Shabbat every night I'm watching this guy log 27 minutes a night I'm watching him be a plus player I'm like this is un- what this guy's doing is unbelievable then I open up the app and I see he's not even listed and I, I gotta I gotta ask oh, you here man. just for 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 a uh, outsider's perspective. Am I wrong to think that Thomas Shabbat should be on Team Canada, or am I missing the boat here? I I don't think you're wrong to to make the case or or to put his name out there, um, because that's uh, that again, like I said, that's that's the fun of this. I that said, I think that one of the things that that can be interesting about this is. You know, we all do that with your home team, whether you're it's it's as media or a, or your fan. You've got certain guys on the team that you go, that guy feels like he should be an Olympic guy. And it's not until you see the roster and you go, okay, who does he, whose spot does he take? It's not enough because it's not like they just go around and say, everyone who is Olympic quality gets to go. And then suddenly Canada has 50 guys on the team. There's only a certain number of spots. So uh, who does he bump out? And, and you know, the thing with, with Tom Shabbat, and, and you've written about this a little bit, that his numbers this year aren't great, certainly offensively. Um, even though you've, you've made the argument that he's, he's playing as well as ever, if not better. The the one thing with him is the the unique skill that he brings to the table and, and really has since he got to Ottawa is he can just eat an enormous amount of minutes. And that's been so important on this young rebuilding Ottawa team. Team Canada doesn't need that. Team Canada doesn't need Thomas Shabbat to play 28 minutes a game. They need him to come out and, you know, probably be a third pairing guy and, and contribute that way. And if that's the role, I mean, who does he bump? Is he, you know, is he bumping Aaron Eckblad off the team? Is he bumping, you know, to, to some of these other guys we can talk about? Um, but yeah, and then as somebody who who makes lists and, you know, is always, uh, uh, you know, ranking this or listing that, you, you hit on my favorite, which is always like, okay, my guy didn't even get mentioned. How could you not mention? My- yeah, <laughs> it's like. Dude, how many guys do you think I can make? Like, I can't list every player in the NHL. I'm sorry if I left your guy out. But yeah, that's, uh, um, I, I was I was mildly surprised to see that. I wouldn't be shocked if he made the team. Like, I wouldn't be blown away or think it was a bad call. But I also, I, I look at the, these guys, if, if the eight guys that they have plus one big one more uh, that they didn't include are all healthy, um, I, I, don't, I don't think Thomas Shabbat's one of the top eight for Canada. 
But okay, there's another name on Canada's list that I'm really curious to see how hockey fans would react if he makes the team. And that's Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson, who yep. on the projected list, Sean, is kind of an extra forward. So, yeah, 13th, 14th forward. And uh, look, he he is arguably the most polarizing player in the game or certainly the one who elicits the most emotion. Uh, we've had this in the past, right? With Ca- Even Marchand has played for Canada before and you're like, okay, I, I got to park my feelings for Brad Marchand. Mm-hmm. For, for two weeks. Are Canadian hockey fans going to be able to park their feelings on Tom Wilson? And is Tom Wilson one of the best 12, 13, 14 forwards that Canada has? That's the bigger question to me. I mean, I, I think, yeah, you, you can. It, you, you can put it aside. You know, it, what do we always say? Every time there's a Tom Wilson argument, somebody always says, yeah, but if he was on your team. If he was on your team, you wouldn't be saying this. You'd love the guy. Well, this is the one chance for him to temporary be, temporarily be on your team if you're a Canadian hockey fan. Um, I feel like they'd we put it this way: we'd park it unless he did something dumb, and then we'd all be all over him. And and that's you know that's yeah. the thing with him is um, because uh, first of all, Tom Wilson's numbers are real good this year. Like he's having a good year. This is this is not. Just a case of bringing a guy because he's physical and, you know, we need somebody who, who can play that style. And, and we've decided, you know, like his just just putting aside the physical stuff, just based on the numbers, he's he's in the conversation as is Zach Hyman, who's another guy that they, they considered, but but ultimately didn't put on the on the team. Um, I man, I I would worry, though, I, I worry it, it's it's it, here, here's the thing with me. There's there's always players on Canada, especially on the blue line that are really gifted, excellent offensive players, but everybody says, I don't know about the defense. And boy, what what if he makes the one turnover that costs us a goal, that costs us a game in, in, a, in a tournament where there's no margin for error, there's not enough time for the bounces to even out. You know, what if we bring this guy, you know, in years past, it was always P.K. Subban. You know, he's great. He's, he's, yeah. He can do all sorts of things. But what if he makes one of those plays one of those turnovers, one of those sloppy passes, and and that costs us the game. And I'm looking at Tom Wilson going, what if he throws one of those? You can't hit up high in, in international play. What if he goes out there, gets a little caught up, tries to make a big play, and, and he's suddenly he's got a five-minute major, and that's what costs Canada a game. That That's what would make me nervous compared to, you know, the the no shortage of, of other guys that uh, – that you could put out there because they have guy like I I don't think Mark Shifley's on their their team. There's some other guys that you could put on there, and they, they don't bring the element that Tom Wilson brings. But I, I and again in a short tournament, I I don't know that you're like if we're playing you're playing Russia, are you really sending Tom Wilson out there to set the tone and throw a bunch of big hits, knowing that you've got international rules and international uh, not not officiating because it's typically the the North American guys, but you, you know who knows how it's going to be called. Do we want to take that risk that he's he's running around out there? And if he's not, is he actually better as a 14th forward than Shifley or or any number of other guys that you could put out there? So now you just laid out the scenario, Canada, Russia. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a Washington Capitals fan who's likely cheering for Team USA in that scenario. Imagine seeing Tom Wilson hit Alex Ovechkin. Like what yeah. you, what's going through your mind as a Caps fan? Exactly. Or, or, you know, he lays out John Carlson or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what? And I, I would never, ever, ever hope for an injury or anything, 
but I would love to see that happen because I want to see Capitals fans be on the other side of it for once. I want to see Washington Capitals fans be like, you know what, maybe this Tom Wilson guy, now that I look at it, maybe he did leave his feet a little bit on this. Maybe that hit was a little bit late. I'm not sure. And then we can all send them freeze frames that go, no, no, look, his his skates are still on the ice in, yeah. in this freeze frame. And you're like, yeah, that's from the pregame warm up. And they're like, it doesn't matter. It's He's still good. Uh, that that would certainly be uh, be interesting. Does Hockey Canada send out a tweet with a living rent free in the, <laughs> in your head? Can you imagine yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they do that, and then and yeah. then Russia just spends the next four years acquiring. Like, how did Ryan Reeves get a Russian passport? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of Ovechkin, as I'm looking at these projected rosters that got put out today, and again, these are just the best guests from Dom, uh, Sean, and, and Corey. Uh, I look at that Russian top. Two lines, Sean, and I see Ovechkin, I see Panarin, I see Kucherov, I see Malkin. I'm like, that might be the best group. Like, as you kind of look at these rosters, if you had just in terms of pure talent in the top six, where do you put the Russians? Because I kind of feel like maybe they have the best top six uh, out of the group with those those four guys leading the charge. Ivan Barbashev is their number two center. (laughs) Um, yeah, on this run. So, the you know, top, and their number one center is Evgeny Malkin, who is 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 a phenomenal player, but and we haven't seen him this year. So, I mean, who even knows there? Uh, uh, Russia is, is spectacular down the wings. You know, Panarin, Ovechkin, Kucherov, uh, Kaprizov, Andrei Svechnikov is, is you know, just uh, seems like one of those guys that maybe comes out of an Olympic tournament with a much increased reputation to to match his level of play but the thing with the thing with russia and, and this is always kind of the case if you not even necessarily a top six as far as the top three lines but if you just say you know here's their five best players you go man that's that's scary stuff i don't i i'm only on maybe canada can't match that maybe team usa can't match that but then you get down the the list and you know there's there's guys you know there's there's some guys that are going to be on the roster that aren't in the nhl they're khl guys and and that's fine but um, you know, the Mesnikov, Adnov, guys like that, good players. Um, but guys like that on, on those, uh, those deeper lines, whereas, you know, you go to Canada and you look at the top six as in, as in the top two lines and okay. Um, you know, maybe it's similar, but then you look at the third and fourth line and guys like Mitch Marner, Mark Stone, Patrice Bergeron, um, Braden Point, uh, you know, if he's healthy. And, and then you look at Matthew Barzell as, as probably even a, uh, a spare, that's the level of depth. So, uh, you know, depth wise, it's, it's Canada and it, and it always will be, uh, probably, but as far as you know, the very top level of talent, Russia's right up there, especially, uh, if, you know, with Alex Ovechkin, uh, looking as, as good as he has. And then, you know, the, the chance that Nikita Kucherov could be ready to go, that would obviously be enormous for them as well. Yeah. I, I love that. That group of American forwards is pretty darn good too you know but yeah this is i mean we, yeah. we say this every year that you know team is it's getting better and better but boy i mean austin matthews is the, is the top guy uh kachuk and, and johnny gaudreau who's kind of had, had yep. sort of fallen off i wouldn't say fallen off the map but had had dropped on uh for for a lot of us over the last couple of years he looks real good again um you know max Pacioretty is unstoppable these days uh they're They've got some real good talent there, and uh, it's some real good pieces. And and up front, let alone the blue line, looking very good. 
uh, for them and young too, you know, to the point where you go, geez, what four years from now, who knows? And they, they could, they could really be head and shoulders above other teams. And then you get to the goaltending for team USA. And if you're, if you're an American, this is the part that you're happy about. If you're any other a fan of any other of the teams, this is what scares you because Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson, and and they they made the call to swap in Jack Campbell as as the third guy. That that's the best goaltending in the in the tournament, and uh, you know, with with apologies to uh, probably uh, you know Russia with with uh, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin and Sergei Bobrovsky, who might be good again. Uh, and, and, you know, then Sweden's got Markstrom and if he stays as hot as he has been, they're looking good. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's always the position that seems to matter most. And, and if you're, if you're Canadian and you're excited that I just pumped your tires about all the forward depth, that you're getting nervous that we haven't talked about Canada in goal yet, because I think the other countries have, have got, uh, got team Canada beat there. Well, and you look at Canada, the projected roster, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jordan Binnington, Carter Hart. Fleury, of course, has won a Stanley Cup. Binnington has won a Stanley Cup. Uh, Hart has certainly not been at the um, the core of Philly's issues this year. Like, I think on the whole, you'd be like, okay, they're, they're fine. But when you measure them up against everybody else, it feels like they have the fourth or fifth best goaltending. And I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think back to all of the best-on-best tournaments that we've ever seen Canada play in. I don't recall, Sean, a time when we would say, yeah, you know, Canada's goaltending might be third or fourth uh, best in the tournament. Like, I-, I was thinking back, like, maybe, like, like when Bill Ranford was, like, the guy for a brief maybe, period yeah. there, like, yeah. was that it? Or, like, remember when they, again, this is probably before our, like, it was, not probably was before our time. We were too young for this. But they played, like, a Canada Cup in, like, 1981 where, like, Mike Liu was the goalie. Yeah. And, and poor Pete Peters. And, yeah, yeah. They just got, got lit up in that... Uh, Eight eight uh, one or something eight, like that. One in the final, yeah. yeah to like, Russia. That's kind of how I feel right now. I feel like, man, I, I don't ever recall going into a tournament and feeling like Canada's goaltending might be the weak link, right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we were we were spoiled for for a lot of years where it was, you know, the Patrick Waugh a lot of times didn't want to play in these tournaments, which is which is why you had guys like Bill Ranford coming in. But even then, you know, Broder, Ed Belfour. So that's three Hall of Famers. Curtis Joseph is is right there uh, as well. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of spoiled. I mean, I, the one thing I would say is, I, I would argue there have been times, certainly in the past, where we've gone into tournaments with questions about Canada's goaltending, and then you come out the other side and Canada wins anyways, and then suddenly the goaltending wasn't a question anymore. Like you know, Roberto Luongo in two thousand ten. I think some people were kind of, oh, you know, he's never won anything. Is this is this the guy? And, and then uh, Carey Price in 2014 at the time. Remember, this was before his big MVP year and, and everything. He wasn't, he, you know, he didn't have the the the, the legend of Carey Price as the clutch guy. Um, that that sort of started around that time, and then carries it into 2016. And and that is the guy I guess we should mention because with with Flurry Bennington and Hart, they don't have Carey Price on the roster right now. Uh, for obvious reasons, until we we see him back, until we see him playing, and uh, um, it, you're not you're certainly not going to count on on him. And and who knows if he'd he'd even want to go? Uh, he's got higher priorities in in life right now that he's 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 being uh, he's doing the right thing and looking after those. If Carey Price should return to the NHL and look like Carey Price, then 
maybe that that changes the perspective a bit. But yeah, look, if you're if you're a Canadian looking for optimism or you're somebody else looking for a reason to be, you know, scared of Canada, you'd, you'd say, look, we're talking about a team that has the reigning Vezina winner as their goalie. And we're talking about it like it's this black hole or this this real weak spot. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury was not good to start the year, but he's been much better since. I mean, he's starting to look like maybe not last year's Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury, but a, but a real good version of it. Bennington and Carter Hart, I don't know. That's uh, I think it would be the Fleury show, and, and it would be a great exclamation point on a, a long and Hall of Fame-worthy career. Um, and you know, the, the thing always with Canada is you don't need your goalie to be the best goalie in the tournament. You need him to be good enough that being the best up front and, and you know, having a very strong blue line, uh, gets you over the finish line. And I think Fleury could do that, but, um, it's, it's not when, if, if you run into Russia or team USA or whoever, in a single elimination that they're going to have a guy across the ice. You're going to be real nervous about. Yeah. My, my fear is that Andre Vasilevsky goes full Dominic Hasek at Nagano and just steals this, yep. this tournament. And it, it, it could, it could, it could. And, and that's, you know, and, and it's, it's really interesting. I, uh, th- there's, there's a real smart guy on Twitter, Jock Hahn, uh, who has, has done, he's, he's sort of a, an analytics guy, but also a, an X's and O's guy. And he's done work with the, with the Leafs and the Marlies. And he made a great point uh, last week where, where people were talking about, Tom Wilson and then Zach Hyman and guys like that. And, you know, you need, you need the grit and you need this and that. And Canada's got enough scoring. And, and his argument was, you know, yeah, Canada on paper has enough scoring, but what are you always scared about when you get to these tournaments? You know, are, do, do you ever really go into this? If you're team Canada or a Canadian fan and say, man, I'm really worried that Russia's going to beat us six to five. I'm really worried that those that <laughs> yeah. team USA forwards are going to, you know, that Joe Pavelski is going to, is going to light us up. No, what, what you're worried about is you run into the hot goalie, um, you know, on Russia or USA or Switzerland or Latvia or whoever, and you lose one to nothing, right? That's always seems to be, and, and even in the years where Canada wins, it always feels like there's that one near miss, you know, there's always that one game against Germany where you're out shooting them 47 to six and it's still zero, <laughs> zero in the second period. And, you know, he was saying that, Forget about your identity. Forget about you grinding and, and your checking line. Have a fourth line that's all offensive guys. Just nothing but, you know, and let those be the guys that you can send out in those games because that's what what you should be worried about. And I just found that really interesting because I, I never thought of it that way. I always think about, yeah, we need the defensive guys. And so, uh, you know, that's a case where, for example, a guy like, Dougie Hamilton, who's not on this Team Canada projection, and and it sounds like is is kind of dicey to make the team. Maybe you should have a guy like him on there, where you go, yeah, you know what is he? Is he great in his own zone? No, he's better than people give him credit for. But what happens when what what do we do when we're down a goal going into the third period and everyone the callers are getting tight? You start to think, oh no, single elimination. Um, Let's make sure we have some guys out there who can make that play that's going to turn into the goal that saves saves the tournament. I, I, I figure we would have learned our lesson from '98 in Nagano when you know kind of they built that fourth line with Rob Zaminer and others. But here we are, uh, you know, twenty that some was, odd years. That was later. the yeah. the the ultimate uh, example. Remember the whole shadow roster thing that the Team Canada went through for years, where yeah. it wasn't you didn't pick the best <laughs> players, you picked the best guy who was like. Fit the fourth role. line checking face off specialist, and that's and that gets you Rob Zamner, and that's uh, that's not where you 
where you want to go. No. Hey, look, listen, we had a lot of fun with this conversation about uh, the Olympic stuff. And uh, I want to have some uh, fun with something else that dropped on, on Wednesday night on social media. And that was the picture of LeBron James, LA Lakers star, rocking a Mario Lemieux jersey. And uh, certainly it's it, there's the obvious connection, right? LeBron James is part of that uh, Fenway ownership group that that now has a stake or all of the, uh, the, the ownership of the Penguins. So there, there's a natural kind of uh, synergy there. But it, it, look, it was cool to see, right? It's like LeBron James rocking a Mario Lemieux jersey. Because I think sometimes we wonder, like, does LeBron James even know who Mario Lemieux is or was? Yeah. Like, so that part is cool. I'm wondering, though, uh, and you've got a great memory for this type of thing. And I was thinking about it. I couldn't think off the top of my head. Like, have we ever seen an iconic uh, athlete from another sport rocking NHL gear like LeBron did on Wednesday? Boy, I don't know. That's uh, I can't think of any. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and, and you know maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I'm sure there's some examples, and people can uh, uh, can can email us and, and let us know for for next time. But yeah, Le- LeBron, I feel like he does know who Mario is. Probably, God, that's a depressing thing to say about like the greatest <laughs> player in the history exactly. of the sport. Where you're like, I think that maybe, um, but yeah, I feel like there's a certain level of like. You know, when you are literally at that very top tier of your sport where you kind of recognize the other guys that uh, that have done it in, in other sports. But I, I'm like, I've always been kind of fascinated with like this whole subculture of like celebrities wearing hockey jerseys and how excited we always get because we're so, uh, us, I mean, hockey yeah. fan, we're so into the nobody else gets to watch our sport. We don't want any, but anybody new, but then like. Rihanna wears a senator's jersey. We're all like, "Oh, did she like us? Are we uh, are we cooled out?" And it's yeah. like, "No, she had a concert in your town, and that's why she put on the the jersey or whatever." But uh, like, uh, uh, Sean Gentile had his great interview with uh, Snoop Dogg yeah. this week, where he asked him about that. Like, he asked him about because uh, it's a thing in in hip hop where a lot there a lot of them are wearing jerseys, and he, he actually got Snoop on the record because there's this you know uh, famous uh, photos of of him wearing the Leafs jersey. And people are like, oh, what's what's that all about? And you know, he said it's it's blue and there's a leaf on it. Like, figure it out. But that that's that was it. He wasn't trying to he, you know, he wasn't like a, a real uh, like Alan McCauley fan or whoever it would have been back then. <laughs> yeah. Um he just, you know, he just thought it looked good. But uh yeah, I don't know, man. That's uh that's a that's a piece that I want to write someday and I haven't uh, got around to it, but people can maybe send me some suggestions or maybe yeah. we'll get the intern working on it. I want to do a power ranking of the coolest person who has ever worn your team's jersey in public and, you know, just go down the list. Cause I feel like every team's got somebody, but like, I don't know, like who's the coolest person who's ever worn a Florida Panthers jersey? Like, are we going to find out? It was like, like Walter Cronkite wore one in 95 and that's it. Like, you know, you got to put them way down the list. And I, uh, Was Walter Cronkite even alive when the know, Florida Panthers were around? Not. My apologies it, to the of all the Cronkite <laughs> family. Yeah, that was a weird pull, right? Like that yeah, was... That was- that kind of, <laughs> kind of gives you a sense of where I'm at pop culture wise. Uh, yeah, exactly. As, uh, as that that's my guy. But you, uh, you know what I I just thought of randomly? There's that photo of da- a young David Letterman wearing the Leafs jersey. That's the best one for the Leafs. That, with yeah, apologies so. to to Snoop Dogg and also to Axl Rose, a you know personal favorite of mine. Who there's a photo of him wearing the Leafs jersey. But yeah, like the young. <laughs> Like, even, like, I think pre-Late Show Letterman. Like, you know, this is, like, morning show David Letterman. And he's just wearing, like, the old school, like, you know, early 80s, like, Builder Lego style uh, uh, jersey, uh, Leafs jersey. No idea where it came from. No idea uh, 
why he was wearing it, but uh, that's I think that's number one for the Leafs, and I think that that might hold down number one in the power rank. You can come up with someone cooler than David Letterman. I don't know, but uh, I, it's going to be a tough, tough ask. Okay, before we bring Jesse Granger on here, I, I can't believe I'm about to utter these words. I never thought I would. Uh, Walter Cronkite passed away in July of 2009. There so you, go. you know what? Lots of time. Yeah. Lots of time to wear. He could have been there when the rats were being thrown on the ice in 96. Uh, yeah, you he know. could have. He would have been absolutely. He would have been. Eight, he would have been eighty years old, but he, he could have absolutely been there. So he well, it, I mean the the style that that team played, the eighty year old would be just about right. So I accept your apology. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Walter Cronkite, Florida Panthers fan. Somebody Photoshop that for me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, as always, time to bring in our pal Jesse Granger for a little Granger Things brought to you by BetMGM, the exclusive partner with us here at The Athletic. Jesse Granger, I want to ask you something here because Sean and I were just talking about who's the coolest person or the biggest celebrity to ever wear your respective team's NHL jersey. And and look, even though Vegas is kind of in their infancy as a franchise, they've kind of got some celebrity pull and some power. So... Right now, if we asked you who's the biggest name or biggest celebrity, and this is just kind of coming off the heels of LeBron wearing a Penguins jersey uh, on Wednesday, who's the biggest star celebrity that's either come to T-Mobile or been out in public wearing wearing Golden Knights gear? Oh, man, that's tough because they've had a bunch. Um, I would say probably Shaq. Um, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, there you go. He's, All right, yeah, we were talking like big athletes. There's, uh, there's, they don't come much bigger than that. Yeah, he. I mean, he's got so much stuff going on in Vegas. He has a couple restaurants out there, and um, he's been to a couple Golden Knights games and like cranked the rally siren before. But I mean, they've also had like the Golden Knights have so much celebrity, um, like. I guess there there is so much celebrity presence in that building every night. They've got a different like athlete, uh, actor, singer cranking the siren um they even had a a golden knights remix of viva las vegas with wayne newton and lil john and and they kind of combined to sing viva las vegas and they were both wearing the new gold jerseys that was when they released their alternate jersey this season with the gold jersey that's kind of how they announced it was wayne newton and lil john wearing them singing that song so <laughs> yeah the, the gold wow. being in vegas gives them an advantage in that category all right over over under or you know it, it ballpark the odds here for me a uh, celebrity power at any random Golden Knights home game versus the entire history of the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
<laughs> That's mean. Um, <laughs> I would say probably <laughs> Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Me too. Yeah. It's the, like I said. The, there are so many like celebrities that live in Vegas because they have residencies there. Um, that there's always someone at one of the games. Listen, you're you're on the road with the uh, the aforementioned Vegas Golden Knights. Why don't you just uh, give our listeners a little sense of uh, you got a little bit of a roadie here, but you're not moving. Like you're kind of staying put. For three consecutive uh, Vegas games. Yeah, this is one of my favorite road trips. It's been a while, obviously, because COVID, so we haven't been traveling as much. But um, the New York trip is always fun because they play the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders. They always play them consecutively in three games. And um, normally, a four-game road trip is pretty hectic for us. You guys know this. Um, you're, it's early morning flights to every yeah. city. You're, you're never really unpacking your bag. But this time, um, I did. I, I started in Boston. Uh, that was my first time in Boston. Really cool trip to Boston. I had fun there, and uh, that arena was awesome. And now I'm in New York for six days, so I get to unpack, settle into this hotel room, and uh, they play the Devils tonight. They play the Rangers tomorrow. It'll be Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves, their first game against their former team. So that'll be fun. And then I. I get the Islanders in three days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, one of my favorite trips, New York right before Christmas doesn't get much better than that. All right. But listen, uh, one of the, one of the things that we're keeping an eye on obviously is uh, there's a lot of teams playing games without key players. Uh, there's games being canceled or sorry, postponed. So maybe just tell us here kind of from a, from a, 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 a betting perspective, how the odds have shifted? Have they shifted for for some of these games where we're seeing uh, players leave the lineup and and teams playing kind of shorthanded? Yeah, I mean the big one is the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, their their game against Minnesota got postponed, and um, they had six players and one staff member test positive for COVID. A lot of them are still in Minnesota. But the the show must go on. They are hosting the Detroit Red Wings tonight in Raleigh. And um, they're going to be without Sebastian Ajo, their team leader in points with 32. And no one else is even close. I, I mean, the next closest is Andre uh, Shvechnikov with 21 points. He's also out. He's still in Minnesota. He's not even in the same state as the team tonight, um, along with defenseman Ian Cole, veteran center Jordan Stahl. Uh, their leading scorer amongst their defensemen is Tony D'Angelo. He's also out with covid uh, Seth Jarvis, he's maybe not as crucial as some of those guys, but he's got 11 points in 20 games as a 19-year-old. So some really important players for the Hurricanes are out, and they started out as massive favorites. Um, yesterday, they were as, or, or two days ago, they were as high as minus 220 to beat the Red Wings, and the Red Wings were plus 175. Now, the market has corrected itself a little bit. Um, but not all the way. To me, it still hasn't corrected nearly enough. The Hurricanes are down to minus 175. The Red Wings are plus 145. So you're still getting plus money with the Red Wings. And the goal, I mean, the Hurricanes have only, they, so their, their roster with all those players out, they've got seven forwards and six defensemen. Um, they don't have the cap space to bring five players up in the lineup to, to fill the lineup. They're going to use LTIR to get one of them. That leaves them four short. The NHL is granting them an emergency exception to bring two more up, but those players can't be more than $850,000 in salary. So you're talking minimum salary players. So they're going to be playing with two players short. Um, as someone who covered the Golden Knights last year, they were kind of up against it cap-wise, not really for COVID reasons, but just because they because they got themselves into that trouble. And it really affected the Golden Knights. When they played games shorthanded, it hurt them. Um, the biggest game of the, of the regular season last year for the Golden Knights was against the Avalanche. They hosted the Avalanche late in the season with the President's Trophy on the line, and they lost that game 
playing uh, shorthanded. The Hurricanes are going to be too short tonight. They're going to have three AHL players in the lineup, and they're not even the best AHL players that they can get because they have to stay under that minimum salary. So um, there are a lot of reasons to to like the Red Wings tonight at plus money. And also on top of that, even without all of that, I think there's another betting angle. A lot of people, when, when you're looking to bet games, you're looking for a an edge, a, a reason, a, a motivating factor to bet the other team. Um, this is Alex Nedeljkovic's first time back in Raleigh. Uh, the team decided not to re-sign Go him. Oh, revenge after, game. Yeah, after he was a Calder Trophy finalist. I mean, he was he was one of the best rookies in the league last year. Um, everyone thought, oh, the Hurricanes, they finally have some stability. They've got this young netminder, and then they let him go to Detroit. So I think even if you ignore all of the, the roster trouble the Hurricanes are in, I think this is still a good spot for the Red Wings. Um, I, I'd like to get you guys opinions on it. Like, like, would you like, what do you expect out of the hurricanes, a team that everything's up against them right now, all their players are stuck in Minnesota and they're having to do these emergency recalls. Yeah. And, and here's the thing that scares me maybe a little bit is most teams in the league under this situation, I, you would look at it and you'd say, look, yes, everybody of course gives full effort every night, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how hockey goes, but it's an 80, two game season you're not going to win them all this would be one of those nights where you could understand if the hurricanes kind of looked around and said all right this isn't going to be our night and here's what scares me rod brindamore i think he's he's not letting anybody do that and i mean if if they get to even if they get real shorthanded i'm worried that brindamore tears the suit off and he's got a he's got a uni on underneath and and he hops over the (laughs) boards and he's he's probably still throwing guys around so that that makes me a little bit nervous but it is it's strange to me that they're not that you don't see the the lines move, and I guess that that leads to a question, and, and maybe we already know the answer to this. But aside from goalies, is there are there any players in this league that you know, them not playing would significantly like if Connor McDavid, if we find out on game day that Connor McDavid's not going to play, does that move the numbers significantly against the Oilers, or is it is it just one of those things where it's it's twenty guys and nobody can make a big enough difference in a single game that. Uh, that the odds makers really worry too much about it. Yeah, this is a question I get a lot, and and you're right. The, the odds don't move much, and I think I guess that's kind of why we all like hockey so much, right? I mean, it's the ultimate team sport. There, like in football, if a quarterback goes out, the line moves seven points, maybe even more than that. Like when Aaron Rodgers goes out, and and the Packers, I mean, the mm-hmm. line will move 10, 10 points for one guy. Yeah. Um, in, in in basketball, if LeBron James isn't playing tonight, the line moves significantly. Because there are only five guys on the court and one player makes such a big difference in hockey, a guy, he's only playing a third of the game at the very most. Um, and when he's on the ice, it's it's still a team game. I think you're, you're spot on with that one player. You, you're right about goalies. The goalie is the position that makes the biggest difference because... If you put a, if you go from a star goalie to a, a replace below replacement level goalie, um, that can make a huge difference in a game. One or two goals that they let in that's soft, that's the game right there. So um, that position affects it more. But yeah, I mean, I've seen a ton of times where a major player will go out. I'll go look at the lines; they don't really move at all. Um, Connor McDavid would probably move it. I don't know, maybe 10 cents on the line. So if, if, if they were minus 175, it'd go down to minus 165, maybe 20 cents down to minus 155, but not much at all. It's nothing like compared to the other sports where a star player um, really takes it out. And like, so I, I agree with you, Ian, about, or sorry, uh, Sean, about the 
I, I'm a little worried too. Rod Brindamore is a great coach. So I say, say you wanted to bet this game. Say you wanted to take advantage of this awful situation the Hurricanes are in. If you were worried to bet the Red Wings, um, the other way you could look at it is, okay, say Rod Brindamore is going to put on a coaching show tonight. And he's going to get his team to play structured hockey. They're without Sveshnikov and Ajo and, and all these, and, and their leading defenseman scorer in D'Angelo. They're going to pack the house. They're going to play good defense. And and then on the other side, you've got Nedeljkovic, who doesn't want to let his former teammates score on him. And he knows their tendencies, you would think, from practicing with them. Maybe you want to bet the under. I mean, this yep. the game is, the total's five and a half, which is about as low as an NHL game will go. But it's shaded toward the over. Um, the over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. So you're basically betting straight. You're, you're getting a straight one for one bet, betting the under in this game um, under six goals. Um, I think if you wanted to try to look at this game for an angle and you're worried Rod Brindamore is going to coach his team to victory despite uh, all this, uh, maybe that's the way to look at it. Dude, you're giving me flashbacks to the Zamboni game, the, the <laughs> Zamboni goalie game where they just. Uh, <laughs> Just absolutely that same Hurricanes team just just did just strangled the life out of it. That that might be the pick right there. There we go. Hey, listen, Jesse, appreciate this. Uh, uh, enjoy your time in New York. It's uh, always a great, like you said, magical time of year. We expect to see a photo of you skating at Rockefeller here. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Great chat as always with uh, Jesse Granger there. Uh, we're going to get to some, uh, we got a great voicemail here, a couple of emails. Uh, before that though, Sean, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, you came to Sean Gentilly and myself earlier in the week, or uh, maybe it was late last week. I can't remember now, uh, but basically with the idea of a rules court. And uh, why don't you walk our listeners through this concept? Because we had a lot of fun putting this together, writing this uh, column that kind of got posted on Thursday. And uh, I think it's something that that's got some legs in the future. Yeah. Well, this it's, again, it's just a, a chance to have some fun. And I, I think there's, if there's one thing that unites every NHL fan, it's that we all have at least a few ideas for ways that they should change the rules and, you know, and, and stuff that we think is just, it's obvious. Oh, that the game would be so much better if they would just do this thing. And sometimes it's a big thing. Sometimes it's small. Some of them are, are kind of silly. Some of them are little tweaks. Uh, the NHL, I mean, geez, every year they, there's like some minor, they move the face-off dot a quarter of an inch and they go, okay, we're done. We got it. And yeah. everything else is perfect. And as fans, we're all sitting there going, no, no, there's, there's this list of things they need to do, but everyone's list is different. And you always feel like if I could just if, if I could just make my case, everybody would agree with me. And so this is a chance to do that. You've got uh, basically an opportunity where we're asking the readers to send in their proposed rule changes. You make the case, you, you know, you, you, you type out how, you know, however you want to argue it. And then you and I and Sean Gentilly will basically each give our, our view and, and we'll take a vote. And if you get two out of three of us, your rule is passed and that's it. It's a new rule in the NHL pending them returning our phone calls. They haven't, we haven't quite figured out how we're going to make that happen, but uh, it, so it was pretty good. We had, uh, uh, you know, I, I just kind of quietly put out the call to end uh, for the, for the first batch on the weekend to see how it would work. We got uh, seven that we ended up using uh, that, that sort of ranged from um, ones that I expected to get because they're pretty common, like, you know, make, make the power play always be two minutes, even if the team scores um, and we got some, some pretty strange ones too. And, uh, I think we ended up passing three out of the seven, which is, 
which is not bad. So uh, it's uh, it, it it was fun, and I mean the comment section is has already exploded with people arguing for and against the 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 rules that were mentioned and making their own pitches. And uh, I I have a feeling that uh, we'll do this again, and um, there'll be more opportunities for everyone to make their case. But uh, it's uh, it's fun because every single one of us has got a list somewhere of uh, of obvious stuff that Gary Bettman should do if he would just only listen to us. Yeah. Do you ever think to yourself, like, does Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, uh, whoever you want to put on that list, do you think that they ever read these columns and, and, and they're like sitting there and looking at it and they're like, ah, oh, you know what that is? And that is a pretty good idea. I, I, I hope not. Put it this way. If, if, <laughs> if Gary Bettman is seeing these ideas for the first time, then, uh, that's, uh, we, we've got a problem, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe Gary Bettman's got a burner account and he's in the he's down in the comment section just uh, throwing ideas at the wall. That's possible. We should do uh, we should look into that. Well, the only way we'd know I, wouldn't you love if you had Gary Bettman's phone for 40 seconds would the first thing you do to see if he has the athletic app? Yes. On yeah. There? Like, and then, what, what, yeah, like, and then you go into Twitter, Twitter? and you see yeah, what the, exactly. yeah, you got you got to find the burner account. Yeah. And uh and all of that. And then you see then you go into his old emails and see if you can find like the the 1993 like mission statement from David Stern. Okay, I'm sending you over to take out the competition. As per our discussion, here is the plan. Yeah. And you'd say, I knew it. <laughs> hey, listen. Speaking of uh, speaking of emails, we want to remind you that you can hit us up at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. But you can also leave us a voicemail eight four five four four five. 8459. That's exactly what Ryan did. Ryan is a big Rangers fan. Have a listen here as uh, he wants us to help him, I guess, be a little bit more optimistic about his New York Rangers. Uh, I was reading Sean's piece on the Rangers not making the top five. And as a Ranger fan myself, I have to say I'm a lot more pessimistic than Sean seems to be about this team. I mean, I get that their record is very good, but the underlying numbers are pretty terrible, and I'm pretty concerned for the future. So my question is, can you convince me to not be so pessimistic? I mean, I trust the goaltending, and, and obviously Adam Fox has proven himself, but we've got a lot of big money tied up in some players like Truba and Mika Zibanejad, who I'm not really sure deserve that big money, and I don't really trust him as a number one center, and it feels like down the middle we are kind of lacking some depth. So I'm not sure I trust this team as much as some other people and a lot of my fellow fans. What do you guys think? I'll tell you what, Sean. Like, I, man, got the pessimism flowing through. The Rangers yeah. are solidly the in the pessimistic playoff spot. fan. Is a is a great. Uh, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite subgenres of fans. I've been there, so I I I'm I'm feeling uh, him a little bit. Is there any other subgenre other than pessimistic? Like, I feel like that's the well. Only you get the genre. mindless Homer fan, right? That, oh, that's yeah. the guy who's always you know the. The, the dude I, I always say like you know at the game one of the nfl season they always find like one dude in a bengal's jersey holding a sign that says like super bowl and you're like i don't i don't think so man but uh that's that's the other guy but maybe those are the only two the two extremes i hate these guys or they're the best team ever that might that might be it yeah but look your, your team's got arguably one of the best five goalies at least the way he's playing right now you've got the reigning norris trophy mm-hmm. winner you've got uh, a heart trophy candidate type of guy in Artemi Panarin. Like, what, what, what's Ryan's problem here, John? Well, I mean, his. It, I think his uh, his his main concern that he puts out there is, and it, it's true that you look at the underlying numbers. You look at some of the uh, 
uh, you know, the analytics as far as possession, scoring chances, um, you know, all the expected goals. And they're below water on all of them, which in a lot of cases would suggest that this is is maybe not a team that is playing as well as their record indicates, but is a team that is maybe not playing as well and is getting some bounces, getting some shooting luck, getting some great goaltending. And great goaltending is part of hockey, of course, um, but it does tend to ebb and flow as the year goes on and that we should we should be looking at this team to maybe take a bit of a step back. And, and to some extent, uh, we've we've kind of seen that over the last uh, week or two where they've had uh, they've lost three of three of five. Um, but that having been said, I do think there's a lot of cases for optimism here. And, you you know, you laid out the the amount of talent that's that's on there. Uh, I do think I'm I'm getting real close to, to buying in fully on the goaltending and saying, you know, Shesterkin is one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, he's doing the impossible and following Henrik Lundqvist, and maybe he can actually do that and be that level of guy um, for the next decade, in which case you're you're halfway there in this league. And they, they do have a bunch of young talent. Um, another thing that, you know, when I look at the Rangers, one thing that always jumps out at me, and it's it's really still the case, uh, even, even as we get well into this season, Really not a lot of production from Alexis Lafreniere, really not a lot of production from Capo Caco. And there's two ways you could look at that. Because the first way is you could say, man, the, the Rangers famously never had high picks in the draft ever, ever. They finally, they win the lottery twice, get the second pick, get the first pick. And boy, did we, did we wind up with two busts? Did we wind up with two guys that are, you know, not going to be franchise level players? Oh man, what a missed opportunity. The flip side of it is you go, we got two real good young players and it just hasn't clicked yet. And sometimes it takes a while. So some players, it takes two or three years before they, they find that superstar gear. If one or both of those guys still find it on top of everything else that this team has, they're in really good shape. That could, that could really look like a great roster up front, especially I, I don't, um, I agree with, with him that the, obviously the Jacob Truba deal doesn't look great right now. Mika Zibanejad, I, I think I'm, I'm higher on him. Um, than, than he was. I like Gerard Gallant as a coach a ton. Jury's still out probably on Chris Drury, but uh, that's that's just a case of not having enough time. The, the one other thing that I have made mention of in my rankings a few times when it comes to the Rangers is the record looks great. They had the seven-game win streak, um, you know, lots of nice numbers. But when you look at who they're beating and who they're not beating, they're not beating a lot of real good teams. I think they've beat the Panthers. And other than that, that's that's it. If you count the Leafs as a real good team, they've split two games with the Leafs. And other than that, they've lost to Colorado. They, I mean, you go down the list of the other top teams and they've lost most of those games. And and even the win streak that they had, I'm, I'm looking at it now. The, the seven-game win streak was Sabres, Islanders, Bruins, Flyers, Sharks, and then Blackhawks back-to-back. You know, Out of that group, um, the Bruins are really the only team that's that feels like even a, a playoff team at this point. Now you can only play who the schedule gives you, but we would like to see them do it against the better team. So I'm I, I'm not sold on the Rangers being an elite team. I, I keep not putting them in my top five, and most Rangers fans are mad at me for that. Here's one who uh, you know maybe shares my view, but I think he's going further on the pessimism than than he would put it this way. I, there's a lot of fans fan bases in the league that I think would love to swap rosters and and prospects and all that with the Rangers because they've they've got a lot of good pieces in place I don't think they're a top five team yet but they're headed in that direction 
I'll tell you, if, if you think that you need to beat heavyweight teams to be considered a legitimate uh, contender. Do not bring your Ottawa Senators they, nonsense listen, in here. They, it, the Giant in the last Killers, I know. 10 days, they've beaten Carolina, yep. Colorado, mm-hmm. Tampa, and Florida. What's going on? That's, you know, that's, that's good. How many, how many starting goalies did they face on there? I don't actually know the answer. Oh, like number one goalies, it's, you mean? Yeah, well, like how got, many times got, versus... Well, who's who's Florida's number one guy? I guess it's Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky, right? yeah, it's Bobrovsky. Uh, this year, I, but Brian Elliott is Tampa's number one goalie. No, yeah, I am think I so. Yeah, it's, it's a one A. It's a one A situation. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, exactly. And it was yeah, the Brian Elliott revenge game, right? The former senator. I'm sure he was really ramped yeah. up to. <laughs> you could have ten, asked him that ten did years I play later. For I don't think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten years later, doesn't ring a bell. As we as we wrap up this show, I just before we get to this week in hockey history, last week we talked about a crazy game involving Edmonton and Chicago, and we're like, hey, if you could pick one game to show to somebody to convince them to be a hockey fan, you know, what game would you have? We have tons of emails that came in from from listeners who said, you know what, I love this. What a great idea if we ever did, uh, you know, and maybe that's a future idea for you. There, pick the one game that you're gonna to show to somebody to convince them to be a hockey fan. Uh, Chris from Ohio wrote in and said, you know, uh, Columbus, Tampa in 2019, what a great series that was. Columbus erasing a three, nothing deficit to win game one. I'd show that to fans. Philip says uh, Panthers lightning last year. Game one was wild. That would be uh, something, or there, there was a crazy Leafs sh- sh- um, Chicago game. Remember Matthews? That was game. a good pick. Yeah. As, as a regular season game, that was a real, uh, that was a good one. That was, it was seven, six. And again, for the same reason that I, I wasn't sold on the Oilers Hawks game. I, I think it's almost too much offense where you're uh, you're maybe misleading a, a new fan. But that was a fun one because if, if people don't remember, it was it was all the stars scoring. Like it was the Matthews versus Kane. But I think John Tavares had a hat trick in that game, and it was one of his first games with the Leafs after signing. Like it was all the big names. Morgan Riley scored the overtime winner. That one was a, a real fun one. If as far as regular season games, uh, that one was. Uh, as, as soon as I saw that, I thought, you know what, that's a great pick. Yeah, and and one other one here, Christopher wrote in and said, you know what, love that conversation, uh, and, and would say 2010 USA Canada gold medal game at the Olympics. That that's a pretty yep. good one too. That was a good one. That and you know three uh, two. That's uh, you know that that's not bad because you got to get if you're going to be a hockey fan, you got to get used to three two games. That would have been a good one. And obviously the you know the stakes will never be higher and the you know the crowd and everything that uh, that's a great one. Okay. Uh, that was a conversation that was spawned from this week in hockey history. Let's wrap up this podcast as we always do. Uh, with this week in hockey history, we, we're just going to do one this week. And it is a really weird one from December of 1995. December 15th, 1995 to be exact. Winnipeg Jets rookie Darren Quint scores two goals in 4 seconds. To yep. tie an NHL record for the fastest two goals scored by the same player. So two goals in four seconds is remarkable. Now, I ask you this. I don't know. Did you go back and rewatch the clip by chance of his two goals or, or in four seconds? I yeah, I've 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 seen this before too. It's uh in fact I, I wrote about uh, uh I think Derek Quint was one of my obscure players. Yeah. Uh when it came to uh and 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 here's the thing. If you're sitting there going, Who's Darren Quint? Like what was you know Derek Quint was like a defensive defenseman who didn't score goals. Like he would, that's what made this all the more remarkable. It was, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I won't, 
I'm I'm almost hesitant to describe it because I I feel like you know the NHL needs the the Darren Quints the right the just the unsung heroes of of this league the the third pairing defensemen hard nosed guys uh, and I almost want to let him have his moment and just let people picture him taking a face off and just going through the whole team. That's not what happened. He he scored the first goal was you know kind of a typical ugly goal from the point sort of thing. And then what happens is they go to center ice and they win the face off back to him and he skates it up to the red line and, and dumps it in uh, for a dump and chase. And it hits a stanchion and goes in as uh, the, the Oilers goalie is already behind the net waiting to play it. Uh, so it was one of those, those uh, fluke, total fluke goals, but two and four seconds, man, that's uh, like, that's like Bill. Why do we all know Bill Moisienko, but we don't know. Darren Quint. Right. You know, yeah, I, it's not like Bill Moisienko is some sort of superstar. Like he, he that was his thing. The hat trick. I think this is, I, I, I think you'll see the hat trick record broken someday before you'll see the, uh, the Darren Quint record broken. Yeah. And that, okay. And by the way, do you remember who the Oilers goalie was by chance? Uh, no, but let me look. I got it. Let me tell you. Okay. Because yeah. I, this is one of those names that'll make you laugh. Like it's just a classic. Uh-huh. 90s goalie, Joaquin Gage. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, that is, this, this, the whole clip is just remember some guys. This is, uh, oh man. Yeah, that's, Joaquin uh, Gage is the goalie. So again, just for the benefit of our, our listeners who may not, because like you said, Bill Boisienko is not a household name. He's a guy who played for Chicago way back in the day. He holds the record. It's three goals in 21 seconds. So he scored a hat trick, mm-hmm. Bill Moisienko did, in 21 seconds. So what you're saying, and I, I think I tend to agree with you, somebody has a better chance of scoring three goals in 20 seconds than they do scoring two goals in three seconds, right? Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I don't even, because uh, the NHL record for the fastest goal off of, uh, like, off of a center ice faceoff is two seconds. And that was basically empty net, pulled it straight back, and 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 even then you needed some help from the timekeeper. I mean, I don't three seconds to me to actually shoot and score, even into an empty net, is is almost as as fast as you could possibly do it. And Darren Quint did it against a goalie, kind of. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I mean, I I can't imagine that getting getting broken three in twenty one seconds. I, yeah, that's. That's doable at least, but uh, yeah, no, Darren Quinn, I'm looking at his career stats. Yeah, he had 46 career goals. He, uh, wait, hold on. So he scored. D- Darren Quint scored 46. Like, that's way hot. I'm actually surprised he it's higher, like right? He like, had a couple of seven goal seasons in his, uh, in, but uh, yeah, that uh, that first guy, he must have been, uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. What what was the, uh, what was the date, did you say? Uh, it, December, uh, December 15th. 1995. Yeah. Okay. So he's uh, 1995. He was also he was 19 years old. Yeah. At the time of rookie with Winnipeg, because uh, I'm looking at it, yeah, he only played the one year with Winnipeg before they moved. Um, yeah. So de- that definitely um, that's the the unbreakable NHL records. Number one is the 502 straight starts. Number two is fastest two goals by a teenage defenseman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who's Back in the day, where they're just yeah, nineteen, you're probably good enough. Come on up, you can you can play uh, you can play twenty minutes a night for us. Yeah, and he got uh, yeah two two of his five goals that season, forty six. So he he scored five percent of his NHL 
uh, total of goals in a four second, uh, four second stint. There we go. Uh, we'll leave it there. Let's listen. As we wrap it up, I, I always think to my, like, sometimes when I finish a podcast, I'm like, I don't know. Was that a good show? Was that a bad show? Was it somewhere in between? I know it's a good show when I think back and I'm like, man, we dropped a Joaquin Gage and a Walter Cronkite reference. That's right. Into the same yep. pod. It was a good show. We, we, we learned a little bit about Walter Cronkite. <laughs> we, we all came away a little bit smarter. Um, yeah, good, good show for sure. Exactly. All right. Listen, have a great week. Uh, we'll get you again uh, next week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this uh, edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Like I said, we'll get you next week. Uh, you can drop us an email to theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com or like the Rangers fan, you can leave us a voicemail, 845-445-8459. If you're not a subscriber with us at The Athletic, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. There you'll get an annual subscription for just $3.99 a month. And you can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all the bonus content from our entire network. You'll start with a 30-day free trial and then... Just 99 cents a month for that.